Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. Revelation chapter number 19, Revelation chapter number 19. I read about a young man who was learning how to fly a single-engine airplane. We have a couple different pilots here in our uh, congregation. They can appreciate this story. I read uh, he had listened to his instructor, and um, his instructor said, it's now time to land the plane, and, and he looked at the, the instructor looked at the student and said, are you ready to go down? And the student said, let's do it. Um, so the plane began to descend toward the ground, and the instructor looked over at the young man, and he was so cool, and he was calm. He wasn't nervous. His palms weren't sweaty. He wasn't biting his lip. Uh, the instructor thought, this, this, this boy, uh, he's going to make a great pilot. He's not nervous at all. He seems to be as cool as a cucumber. So the plane hit the ground, bounced up in the air, hit the ground again with a thud. The instructor was like, what is going on here? The plane almost ran off the runway. Son, I've been teaching flying for a long time, and I believe that's the worst landing I've ever seen a student pilot do. The student said, me? I thought you were landing the plane. I think a lot of times we wonder who is in control of this crazy world. Whoever it is, uh, um, I think we will learn a little bit about that this morning. You and I are not in control. There's a higher power that's in control of this world. And uh, we can do his bidding or we can do the Lord's bidding. May I just tell you there is a God. And he is in control no matter what you think, even though he has allowed the devil to have some control to be a prince in power of this air. And although we don't understand why God would allow that, he has allowed, he has permitted the devil to have some control in this world. And so I believe this morning's message, if you'll take it and, and sincerely think and appreciate what we're going to look at this morning We'll highly value that God is ultimately in control. And there's coming a day when every one of us will be relieved that God really was in control. And anybody with a modicum of intelligence can, can look around. You can read your favorite social media app and you can see what's happening. And I just tell you the, the storm clouds, they're gathering. If I could put it this way, the dynamite has been laid. The fuse is in place. The match has been struck, and all we are waiting for is that time and that battle for that fuse and that match to meet in what we call the battle of Armageddon. And it's going to be something that happens. It's rushing upon us. It's quickly coming. It's only in a matter of years before it will be here. And so with this in mind, I'd like to preach a message this morning from Revelation chapter 19, simply entitled, The Road to Armageddon. The Road to Armageddon. In our text, we will pick up in verse number 11. Please follow along as I read these first few verses from our text this morning. The Apostle John is having a vision 
of the future. God has supernaturally allowed some 2,000 years ago the Apostle John, who was on the Isle of Patmos, he was a prisoner on that Isle, he was given an opportunity supernaturally to look into the future of 2,000 years plus and then to write about it. And this is what John, in the language that he would have had some 2,000 years ago, in his finiteness, in the limited vocabulary, our English language has exploded since 2,000 years ago when John would have been writing this in Greek. He says this, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Father, please help me to be able to accurately, succinctly, be able to delineate Help our folks understand your word this morning. Father, I pray apart from the Holy Spirit, this is merely an exercise, a recitation. But Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will give power during this service at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. What we just read describes a picture of a place called Armageddon. Armageddon literally means Mount of Megiddo. I've been there many times. Several of you have been there. You can recall... Um, uh, standing and looking down into the valley. I've been on Mount Megiddo. I've, I've looked, as some of you have, at that battlefield. In fact, Napoleon was there, and he said, this is the world's greatest natural battlefield. The area is a vast, vast valley with three mountains, and if you look to the north, you'll see Mount Carmel. And, it, and then if you look off to the left, you'll see Mount Tabor. And then if you look off to the distance, you'll see Mount Geboa. And there in this valley, you'll see a valley that's known as the Valley of Jezreel. And it's a natural battlefield. Now, folks, I want you to pay attention this morning. I want you to listen to something. This is not some fairy tale I'm telling you about. This is literally, literally going to happen. This is not something that I'm just making up from the Word of God. We literally read this. We literally have stood where this is going to take place. Many battles have been fought on this battlefield. Napoleon fought there. Titus, the Roman general, fought here. Pompey fought here. Richard the Lionhearted fought a battle here. Nebuchadnezzar fought here. Ramses fought in this battlefield. Great battles have already been fought in what is referred to as the greatest natural battlefield in the world. The land has already been soaked and drenched with blood. Why is that? Why this particular piece of land? Well, it's because it's a natural crossroad called the ancient crossroads. It's the place where the trade caravans go back and forth, and whoever controlled Megiddo controlled the land and the trade and the commerce of all that day. And the Bible says that one day there's going to be one last war that will be fought there. It will be the war to end all wars. And it'll be a final time when, when all men gather together and, and there's going to be a battle.
battle unlike any battle that's ever been fought, including World War I, World War II, and possibly World War III. May I just tell you, this is going to be a, a battle unlike any battle. I want you to listen to what's going to happen. What we have here in Revelation chapter 19 is only a snapshot, or I could call a panorama, uh, that we began earlier in our study in this book of Revelation many, many months ago. So we're going to go back and get you caught up uh, this morning uh, and look at six snapshots that I see that lead us to this road to Armageddon. Snapshot number one, we see here prophecies foretell Armageddon. Prophecies, in other words, the Bible tells us under the inspiration of the writers of the Bible, specifically John, as he looks into the future, prophecies foretell this is going to happen. And there are many prophecies, and they come in great detail, and they tell us that we are headed toward Armageddon. If you look with me at Revelation 16 and verse 16, the Bible says this, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. My friend, this is a literal place. This is not figurative what I'm talking. This is not a parable what I'm talking. There is something that is moving. There is something that is gathering people to this place called Armageddon. May I mention to you uh, things that we know uh, that we are living in the very last days at this moment. Number one, Israel is back in her land. Israel is back in her land. One more time, after 18, 19 centuries, Israel is back in her land. And these prophecies could not take place without Israel, the nation of Israel, being back in this specific land. And we know history teaches us that on May 14th, May 15th of 1948, a nation was born in a day. The Republic of Israel was formed. And we see, uh, uh, and now Israel is back in the land. And millions of Jews have flooded back into Israel. And even though there's conflict today, they continue to build settlements where Jewish people can live. My friend, this should excite you. This is literally happening in our day before our very eyes. Number two, Europe has been reunified. Europe has been reunified. There uh, is today in our world a reunified Europe. We call it the European Union. And as of this moment of my message, this unit is comprised of some 27 nations. And you can travel from nation to nation in Europe without a passport. And you can spend one common dollar called the euro. And the Bible has prophesied that the old Roman Empire would be reconstituted. And friend, we've seen it take place again. In our day, if you do not believe we're living in the, in the last days, there's scales on your eyes. Israel is now a nation. Europe has been re, uh, reunified. And Europe is becoming dominant in areas of commerce and military might and political influence. And Europe is situated, obviously, between the east and between the west. And uh, it's, it's just a natural place uh, to for the battle of Armageddon in Europe to be involved because we also know that the Antichrist is going to come out of the reunified Europe. Number three, the world is quickly moving toward a one-world government. I couldn't really have said this five, six, seven years ago. But what's taken place in our world in the last 18 months, again, before our very eyes, right in front of us, right now, today, 
The world is quickly moving toward a one-world government. Have you noticed the move toward globalism? You'll hear more and more about a one-world conference. I was reading a song that children now are being taught in classrooms. I want you to listen to this song. I want you to listen to these words. Come, young citizens of the world, we are one. We are one. Come, young citizens of the world, we are one. We are one. We have one hope. We have one dream. With one voice, we sing peace, prosperity, and love for all mankind. If you put these words to the right melody and rhythm and let children sing, it sounds so wonderful. But let me tell you, that's an ominous song. If you go back to Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 6, you find that same song was being sung at a place called the Tower of Babel. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. As you know, that Babel is the beginning of the Babylonian Empire and the beginning of the Babylonians' religion. And we already studied that in great detail in our previous message. And we see today a great, great move toward globalism. Why is that? Because of the terrorism that's throughout our world. And what we have to do is people say we have to come together. We have to overcome terrorism so that uh, the terrorists uh, see that there's no one to fight here. We, so we see globalism uh, throughout this world. By the way, number four should really cause us to say maybe there's something to Pastor Armstrong's message. The Soviet Union and the Arab nations will form an alliance against Israel. The Soviet Union, Russia, and the Arab nations will form an alliance against Israel. We are witnessing the Soviet Union, and as it is regaining its strength and the agreements that are being now made between Arab nations, they're gathering strength. They're coming together. They're coalescing against Israel. The Bible prophesies this. is in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. The Bible says this is going to happen. And then again, we see the kings of the east uh, that are gathering strength. And we see red China with her militant forces. We've already studied that the apostle John, he saw an army of some 200 million coming from across the Euphrates. My friend, you say that's a river. How can that happen? Do you understand that today the river Euphrates has dried up? Friends, we're living in the last days. People used to laugh. In fact, I've even read some commentators who, who said that John had to be speaking speaking figuratively here, not realistically, when he writes that there'll be an army of 200 million and people have laughed John to scorn. How could he prophesy such a thing? Think about this. This really is crazy. John, the apostle John, is he sitting there on that Isle of Patmos and he is writing about the future and God's allowed him to look 2,000 plus years into the future and told uh, John and the Holy Spirit of God's told John to pin what he sees and John uh, writes that there's going to be an army of 200 million. My friend, there were not even 200 million people alive when John wrote this. Was he crazy? I don't think so, because I want you to listen to a Time magazine article in which a Chinese politician said, quote, we can now field an army of 200 million. End of quote. The exact number that the book of Revelation prophesied from one country alone. All of these things, friend, are in the mix. They're all coming together. Pastor Armstrong, 
are you setting a date for the coming of the Lord Jesus? No. No, as I've told you before, he could come again any time from the time he ascended. But I'm just telling you that everything in prophecy is pointing toward Jesus coming back soon. Early Christians, those who watched Jesus go away, they thought he was going to come right back. And as soon as he was lifted in that cloud in the book of Acts, and they said, uh, uh, there he goes, and there's an angel of the Lord said, why are you standing there gazing up? The same Jesus, he's going to come back. And they couldn't wait. And they, they were ready 2,000 years ago for Jesus to come back. May I just tell you that as the signs intensify, as prophecies are uh, uh, becoming a reality, every one of us, we should be looking for Jesus Christ. When you see these signs that tell us about Armageddon, uh, does that mean that Armageddon is coming? I, no, not just yet. You know what it means? It means the rapture's coming. When we see all of these signs pointing to this road of Armageddon, I want to encourage you. Jesus is coming back. The rapture is about to take place. So what I'm speaking to you about right now are the detailed prophecies that, that predict Armageddon. So let's move to that sna second snapshot. Snapshot number two is this. And I wanted to, before I, I, I get into this, I want you to recognize the heaviness of this second snapshot. Second snapshot is this, is demonic forces provoke Armageddon. Demonic forces provoke Armageddon. Back to the Bible. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet for they are the spirits of devils. I want you to remember here, every time you see the word devils, that you could read the word demons there. There's one devil, many demons. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, thus he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Do you understand? Satan is itching to have a fight with God. Can you imagine that? He is sending out his invoice, his demon saying, get the nations ready. Mesmerize these monarchs. Bring them in. Manipulate these kings. Bring them to Armageddon. We're going to find out who he is and, and what it is all about. And we're going to find out who has the ultimate power. Lucifer believes that he can defeat God. And he's preparing the world for this great battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And you, you ask, could Satan really be so stupid? Friend, he's brilliantly stupid. He's hideously beautiful. You have to learn this about Satan. His wisdom is warped and it is corrupted. And what he will actually do is bring the nations together, uh, thinking he's going to have a showdown at, at Megiddo. Uh, and he thinks that he's going to have a showdown with the very Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we see dark devilish, demonic powers working in the world today. And you will never understand what's happening in today's society uh, in the news and, and with diplomatic negotiations if you don't understand what's behind it all. And standing in the shadows is the devil. And he is impacting and influencing this world today. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just share something with you. Recently, 
And I, I really can't imagine that many in here watch the Grammys and the Oscars and all of that. I mean, it's just a bunch of garbage for, for most of us as Christians. But some of you may have watched it. But the world watched. And a transgender singer sang a song called Unholy. Dressed as the devil. And while some will mock and laugh at that, it was real. And the world said, we're ready to worship. And in that venue, at the end of that song, as people danced and gyrated at the, at the feet of this man who was dressed as the devil and he sang this song unholy, at the end of that song, everybody stood up and gave a thunderous applause. It was the highlight moment of the award show. Now may I just tell you, this world is clamoring to worship someone like the devil. It's not future. It happened one month ago in the United States of America that a world worshiped at the feet of a transgender who sang a song called Unholy. And by the way, if you have that song on your playlist, God help you. There would be some of our some folks right here today that in your playlist you have the song Unholy. I want you to understand that it's a song that's unholy. And no Christian should have that as a part of their playlist. I'm talking about a conspiracy that goes beyond anything that you've ever imagined. It's devilish. And let me give you some scriptures. I, this is not my opinion. I'm going to give them in a hurry, so please listen. Maybe we can study them later in greater detail. But in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was talking here about the end of the times. He says this, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Oh, did you see what that says there? If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. There's going to be people that is swayed by these devilish happenings, songs, worship, conspiracies. You say, well, I, I'm smart enough. Uh, the devil will never deceive me. You know why he won't deceive you? Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. If you're not saved, you will be deceived. You're here today, you know not Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you will be deceived. If you're here playing church, and I got everybody fooled, there's no way I'll be deceived. You will be deceived. But as a Christian, I'm here to tell you that the supernatural power of God protects you. Don't trifle with it. And if you have been brought uh, uh, under your own intellect to, to, to think that, that you'll never be deceived and, and, and you know what, I've got it all under control. May I just tell you that Satan has such unbelievable persuasive power. He'll make you think that up is down. He'll make you think good is bad. He'll make you think white is black. His, his will, friend, is this. He wants to deceive, deceive, deceive because he wants to make sure that he can defeat Jesus one day. And that's what Jesus said. If it were possible... They shall deceive the very elect. Let me give you another scripture. Peter even wrote about it. 
But there were false prophets among the people, even as there were, shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. May I just tell you, this is happening in churches all across America. Every time a man and a woman gets up and they proclaim uh, what they think is the Word of God and they add to salvation, they change the gospel message, that's a damnable heresy. Jesus said there's one way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. In the last days, Satan's going to have a heyday deceiving people, seducing spirits and doctrines uh, of devils. In fact, Mark says this, For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce. If it were possible, even the elect, we have it again recorded. Friend, one of these days, Satan's going to perform a miracle before your eyes, and you're going to say, you know what, Pastor Armstrong was teaching and preaching is not so, because I saw with my own eyes a glorious sign, a wonder. No one could do this but God. And Jesus said right here in the book of Mark, he shall seduce, and if it were possible, even the elect. You'd better get a lock on the Word of God. Some of you, you trifle with this book. Some of you, you think this book is not that important. Some of you, the, you, you actually deface this book, and it's your, it's your coffee cup holder. And, and some of you never get into this book. You don't read this book, my friend, apart from this book. You do not have the power to defeat Satan. This book it should be a part of your life. Bring the Word of God to the fight. And I'm here to say this morning that the devil in 2023 is going to do everything he can to seduce you and to pull you away. Paul said, and for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So we're going to see demonic forces of this world working with Satan's new religion, and they're going to come uh, together with demonic power to deceive the nations of the world. Folks, this is not future tense. This is happening today, right now in our world, in the United States of America. We have to wake up. We have to realize that the demonic forces are alive and well in 2023. Snapshot number three, I'd like for us to examine and look at the people who plan for Armageddon. Who are these people who plan Armageddon? It, it, how, how can we know that there really is a battle plan? The third thing I want you to see is these determined people who plan Armageddon. Who are these people? In Revelation chapter 17, this time, just back a couple of chapters, in verse number 12, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. Now, when the Bible uses the term one hour in verse number 12, it's not referring to a literal 60 minutes. It's, a, it's talking about a period of time. If you remember, like Jesus said to those people who crucified him, this is your hour, mine hour is not yet come. In other words, his hour wasn't coming in 60 minutes. It wasn't his time. It's a, it's a, it's a language there, like an English idiom. Uh, he wasn't saying you have 60 minutes and then I will. Uh, the Verse 13 says, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Now the beast is the Antichrist. And these shall make war with the lamb. That's Jesus Christ. This is at Armageddon. And the lamb shall overcome them, for he 
is the Lord of hosts and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. This is the army that's following the lamb when he comes to the white horse. And, and I'm so thankful that if you're saved today, um, you're called, you're chosen, you're faithful, you're elected, you'll be with him one day. But what I want you to see is that there is a confederacy of ten kings or kingdoms that will follow the beast. These are the core of the armies that will make up the contingent that comes against God at the battle of Armageddon. They are seduced by demons. They are led to Armageddon. They pledge their allegiance to the beast. And, and why would they do that? Because our world is drunk on power. And leaders are drunk on power, and power is promised to these ten kings. And so they themselves will be drunk with their power, and they will be intoxicated with pride, and they will be deceived by the devil himself. And so these are the determined people that plan Armageddon. And there are coming a coalition in those last days where ten nations make a, made up the old Roman Empire, the reunified Europe that I told you about a few moments ago. And there's going to be armies that come from the east, and there's going to be armies that come from the north. There's going to be armies that come from the west and they're all going to converge in a place called Armageddon. And these ten kings, in their drunkenness on power, they're going to, out of necessity because of famines and because of plagues and because of money and because of all the things that their people are screaming at them that they need, they're going to come to defeat King Jesus. Snapshot number four. Pride precipitates Armageddon. Pride precipitates Armageddon. What was it that caused Lucifer to be thrown out of heaven? It was his pride. I want you to see the devilish pride that precipitates Armageddon. Satan has his pride wounded. His balloon has been pricked. What happens here, we read about it in Revelation chapter 13. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. Satan wants this world to fall down at his, his feet and to worship him. In the book of Revelation, he's called the dragon. And he has, his ambition has always been to be the most high. He wants to be better than King Jesus. It is this foolish pride that's made the devil, the devil. He wants to be worshipped. So finally, he gains his worship. I want you to listen to what happens in Revelation chapter 13. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. See how arrogant he is? Do you see how arrogant his demons are? He will be an incredible orator. He will have uh, such persuasion that little children will speak his name with reverence. Men will gladly die for him. Women will fawn over him and worship at his shrine. The Bible says he has a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. It says 40 and two months, that's three and a half years. That's the last three and a half years of what's known as the tribulation period. What is this? We know that for seven years, after the rapture takes place, there's going to be an awful period of time on earth called the tribulation period. And do you know what the ultimate blasphemy will be? Is that it, during that second three and a half years, Satan, Lucifer, the dragon, 
He will move himself into the completed temple of God. And he has been a little careful in the first part, the first three and a half years of the tribulation. He's been gathering his strength. He's been unifying the world. The temple is now rebuilt in Jerusalem. And now he has his golden moment at the midway point of the seven-year tribulation period. And, um, and he strides into the temple. Here's what he's going to say. All you folks, you built this temple to worship God. You've been looking for God. You want to see God. You want to know who God is. And the devil's going to stand up and he's going to say these words. I am God. And he will declare himself to be God. And this is the ultimate blasphemy. Well, what's going to happen? The Jews are going to look at him and they're going to say, you Two-legged devil? You're not God. And their darling beast has deceived them for these past three and a half plus years. And they know that he is not God now. The scales have been removed from their eyes and they'll see the arrogant pride of the devil. I want you to notice, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Why would he make war with the saints? Because they no longer will fall at his feet. They no longer will worship him. They no longer will bow to the beast. Even Jesus taught this. I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about what he calls the abomination of desolation or that abomination which makes desolate. He's talking about the time when the beast was sit in the temple showing himself that he is God. Daniel prophesied about it. Jesus talked about it. And Jesus said there's coming a quintessential time of unmitigated horror and evil. When does it begin? When the beast sits in the temple, this world is going to see a wickedness this world has never, ever seen before. The honeymoon will be over. No longer will the sons and daughters of Abraham worship their darling beast because they had been deceived. And Satan's pride is going to be wounded. And uh, his rage is going to be intensified. And Armageddon, listen to me, Armageddon will be his vengeance to all of those who refuse to bow and worship him. And that is what's going to happen with this thing that's going to cause such a climax called the Battle of Armageddon. Why this bloody war? Why Armageddon? Because the nations of the world are gathered together against Jerusalem. Antichrist is going to say, I can solve this problem once and for all. And his hatred is going to be so immense. His blasphemies will be so horrible as he says that he is God. And he's going to seek to decimate anyone who will not worship him. My friend, there's coming a day when we refuse to bow to this world and the systems of this world and the God, little g, of this world that we are going to be ostracized and we're going to be moved to the side and our faith will be put to the test. I believe that will happen before the tribulation. But during the tribulation, make no doubt about it, those who are saints will go to war with the devil. Snapshot number five, the Bible says that plagues precede Armageddon. Plagues precede Armageddon. Not only is Satan's pride wounded, but the Bible says plagues come upon him in these last three and a half years. 
In Revelation chapter 16, the Bible says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and repented not of their deeds. They're writhing in pain. The party is over. Now this one who's sitting on the throne and showing himself that he is God, little g, learns that he cannot even control the forces of nature and everything is going to turn upside down on him. In Revelation chapter 18, it says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. The kingdom of the beast is unraveling before his eyes, and not only has his pride been wounded, but now he is insane with rage. That's why Armageddon, that's why he's going to come against the Lord. By the way, these plagues will come. And you would think that the people of the world would repent with these plagues. You would think that they would turn to God, but they do not. They, the Bible says they blaspheme God. They gnash their teeth toward God. And the Bible says here they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven. They shake their fist in the face of God and they say, God, who do you think you are? You can't do this. Folks, I believe If the Supreme Court of the United States could vote on it, they would outlaw hell as cruel and unusual punishment. The Bible says evil men understand not judgment. Do you think that pain and judgment and plagues are going to bring men to God? No. It will not. Do you think that in hell they're crying out for mercy? No. Do you know what they're doing in hell today? They're cursing God. They're loathing God. They're gnashing their teeth toward God. They hate God. And in perpetuity, they will always hate God and gnash their teeth at God and and gnaw their, their lips and their mouth and their tongues in pain toward God. Listen to me, precious friend. If the love of God will not bring you to your knees, punishment and judgment surely will not. If the love of God will not bring you to your knees, all of the punishment, all of the rage, all of the judgment of the world will not do so. I beg you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, to accept his love for you, avoid this time period in life. Finally, snapshot number six, the power that predominates Armageddon. I'd like to share with you the power that predominates Armageddon. We go back to our text where we began a few minutes ago in Revelation chapter 19. John says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Let me start right there. I want you to see the scene. The Antichrist is gnawing his tongue in pain, the Bible says, blaspheming God. His pride is wounded. Demonic spirits have a confederacy of ten nations. They've all come together now. They've come together in this valley of Megiddo. They've come to, the, to fight King Jesus. 
They're going to move against Jerusalem once and for all. They're going to move against those saints that refuse to bow down to Satan. And here he has a contingent of all these nations. Not all of the people of all the nations, but of all the nations that are represented here. And they're camping between the three mountains. And they're getting ready to move to the south. Now listen. I'm almost done. Please listen to what's going to happen. They are there with their tanks and their guns and their napalm and their lasers and their jets and their rockets and their gas and their poison and whatever can be created in the mind of an insane man. And the beast has come specifically to eradicate the people of God. And it's going to look pretty dark. And it's going to look very sinister. And it's going to look very desperate. The nations of the world, on live TV, through every social media device, every single person in the world will be able to watch this in real time. And suddenly, let me just tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be an invasion from outer space. And here comes the white horse. And John. And I looked, and the heavens opened, and here comes Jesus.